0: Well, if you if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter six. Matthew chapter six, as we uh, continue to walk through the through the Lord's prayer, uh, walking still through this first part of the the Lord's prayer here, uh, before we get into the actual request, so it's like, what should we pray? Or Jesus tells us what to pray for, what to ask for. But before we get into that, the actual request, we need to figure out who are we praying to, or for you English people, to whom are we praying? Uh, that's the first thing that Jesus establishes is who are our prayers going to? Who are we praying to? When we, when we come to pray, those are, that's the sort of the first thought. And so here Jesus begins our prayers with, with these words that we've been looking at. Uh, Father, remember that's uh, the, the Lord's prayer in both Matthew and, and in Luke, begin with that word, Father. Uh, but not just father. Here in Matthew six, we see he is what uh, our father, literally the, the the father of us. And so we've been looking at what it means that God is our father, and how understanding God is father is is key to to opening up our prayers and re- reminding us where our prayers are going to, all sorts of things like that. Uh, but let's read the Lord's prayer again. Let's read it as a whole, and then let's walk through this this final phrase. Uh, About who we're praying to. So let's stand together in the honor of reading God's word. Let's read it, uh, and then we'll we'll have one last day looking at our Father uh, in heaven, our Father who art in heaven, uh, depending on how you learned it. Beginning in verse nine, Jesus says, "Pray then like this: Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven." Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Let's pray. Father, we do ask God that today as we gather together that we would lift up a worship to you that is pleasing in your sight. And we know, we know that that happens only through our unity with Jesus Christ that we can only even call you Father because of what Christ has done for us. And that if we if we have been saved by him, we are true children. And so, Father, we come to you today with this request. Let our worship be uh, pleasing to you. Let it be something that, that hallows your name. Father, may we make much of you today and much of one another. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so again, that's what we're, we're, we're walking through. This like model prayer. Jesus is like, you know, whether it's in Matthew and he's teaching the Sermon on the Mount or it's in Luke 11 and he's answering the question of the disciples, Lord, teach us to pray. Here, Jesus begins with this, with this first, with this first uh, uh, phrase about who we're praying to. So when you pray, who are you praying to? And Jesus tells us, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven. Okay? Now, again, those words aren't precise, so I don't want you to think. Uh, that you have to begin every prayer with precisely those words, our, our our Father in heaven. Like that's sort of like the the key to unlocking everything else that you say. Uh, I mean, I guess technically uh, in the English, literally, it's Father of us in heaven, which would just be weird. No one says that. Uh, or I guess if you're really technical, it would be in the Greek, and then certainly we're not going to do that. Uh, so so what is clear though, although it's not that we need to. Say these exact words, our Father uh, in heaven. It, it, is, it is clear that who we're praying to matters. And it's clear to understand that, that, God, that Jesus wants us to understand when you pray, when you talk to God, you are talking to the one who is our Father in heaven. Okay, so this is, this, is, this is an important thing here. We don't want to just, like we, we said when we started this, we don't want to just skip over the phrase, our Father in heaven, like we sometimes do when we pray. When we pray, we normally have a way we begin all our prayers, and sometimes we don't think about it. Like, I'll normally begin, dear Heavenly Father. Uh, and a lot of times I'll say that, and I'm not like, dear, and then going, he really is dear to me. And then saying heavenly and going, yep, definitely heavenly. Uh, and so a lot of times we don't do that, well, we want to make sure when we're praying that we understand, even when we address God in our prayers, what we're saying about him and what we need to be thinking about him uh, as we pray. And so here, uh, Jesus wants us to understand uh, that God is our father, but that, or that he is father, But not just that he is father, but that he is our father. And not just that he is our father, but that he's our father in heaven. And so that's what we've started looking at this last week. What does it mean that God is our father in heaven? Right? So if we just said our father, that'd be one thing. But once we start adding in heaven, what does it mean that he is our father in heaven? And so last week we started looking through the idea when the Bible talks about God as God in heaven or our father in heaven, what is the Bible talking about? Uh, And so you, you had the notes from last week that we answered the first two. And so I filled them in for you this week. So if you missed last week, you got them automatically filled in. It's like, we're, it's like we're back in school. Just fill them in for you guys. Uh, The first thing we saw is that our father being in heaven is about position. That when the Bible talks about a God in heaven or our father in heaven, Part of that is just about the difference between being on earth versus being uh, in heaven, that he is not our earthly father, that we have another father watching over us, a heavenly father, one who's not, you know, sitting at the dinner table with us, but one who's watching over us uh, from, you know, sort of up, up there, up there watching over us. Uh, So we saw that it's just, when we say our Father in heaven, we mean our Father that's not right here. We've got another Father who's watching out for us. But it's also, it's not just a matter of position, it's also a matter of praise. So when the Bible says our Father in heaven, it's talking about how God is the ultimate Father. He is the heavenly Father. That all of of our earthly fathers are just shadows of the true Father, the the perfect Father father. So when we say uh, our father in heaven, we're saying our father who is unstained, who's uncorrupted, who's perfect. uh, God, you are our heavenly father. You're our father in heaven, unstained by any of this, any of this fallen, uh, fallen world. But there's, but that's when i didn 't have any more breath. that was the end of that was the end of my breathing last week. Levi had brought me water to try and sustain me uh and finally I was like we 're done we 're going to finish this up next week uh, and so that 's what we 're looking at now. The last part of this when the Bible says that God is in the heavens or that when it says he is our heavenly Father, our Father, the Father of us. In heaven, the last thing we're going to see is it is a recognition of God's power. That to say he is our father in heaven is a matter of a declaration of the power of God. And tied to that power, it is a a declaration of trust in the power uh, of God. So when when the Bible talks about uh, heaven, like we said, it can mean all sorts of different things. It can say the birds of the heavens, right? And it doesn't mean that birds live in heaven with God, right? Uh, it can talk about how the sun, moon, and stars are in the heavens, talking about outer space or whatever we want to call it. Um, but also there's the meaning of heaven as sort of the place where God is, Right, the, the place where God is, is dwelling, the place where he is reigning. And so when we're talking about heaven, we're talking about the dwelling place of God. Heaven is where God is. Heaven is where his throne is. So for example, First Kings chapter 8, verse 30. The Bible says, Listen to the plea of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray toward this place and listen in heaven your dwelling place. Okay, so heaven is the dwelling place of God. This is why, when you get to Revelation, well, really not just Revelation, like throughout Scripture, you're going to see that in the end, the earth doesn't go to heaven. God, we don't go to dwell with God. God comes to dwell with us. Heaven comes down to earth, to God to dwell with his people again. And so when it talks about heaven coming out, the new heavens coming down, it is finally back to Genesis and the dwelling of God with man. So heaven is just the place where God is is dwelling. It's his dwelling place. And so when we pray... In in 1 Kings 8, it says, you know, that our prayers are going toward heaven because that's where God is. That's where he's dwelling. Isaiah 66, 1 says, Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. So heaven's not, so when we're trying to understand heaven, heaven's not just the place where God dwells. Heaven is also the place where God reigns. It's not just it's where His presence is. He is reigning there. It's where His throne is. And so when we talk about our heavenly Father or our Father who is in heaven or who art in heaven, King James, if you're if you're talking about that, we're recognizing heaven, our Father in heaven. That's the place where you're dwelling, and that's the place where you're reigning. And so that's why we talk about when we say in heaven, we're talking about the power of God. You are our God. In heaven, your dwelling place, the place where you reign, where you rule. And Calvin said about this phrase, "Our heavenly Father." He says, "By this word, in heaven, we learn that all things are under His rule in our prayers." So, that, and there are multiple, multiple references in Scripture to God in heaven being a, a reference to God in great power. So, in comparison to, like, our power, it's nothing because God is reigning not on earth like some silly king or like some silly person. God is reigning in the heavens. So, for example, Psalm chapter 2 This is a great example of this. It says, why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth, right? Here's that earth and heaven comparison. The kings of the earth set themselves, the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He, so so that's they're they're rebelling against the Lord, against his anointed. God, he, who what sits. In the heavens. And so how do you want to describe the power of God as opposed to the kings of this earth? He who sits in the heavens laughs, the Lord holds them in derision. So you've got what you've got going on here in Psalm 2 is you got the nations of the earth raging, they're plotting, the, the, the kings of the earth, earthly kings, mere earthly kings are conspiring against God, they're conspiring against Christ, but what does it say about God? Verse 4, it says, he who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them. So so God mocks them from his throne. He he has nothing to fear. They're, They're mere earthly kings. He sits in the heavens. So he's not afraid. He's so powerful as God who sits in the heavens that not only does he not have to fear a king on earth, he doesn't have to fear when a group of kings on earth are trying to overthrow him. I mean, he's not afraid afraid of a king, an earthly king. You could get the kings of the earth together, and they can't. He who sits in the heavens would laugh. He would hold them in derision. He would mock them. Psalm 115, look at what it says. Psalm 115, verses 1 through 3. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. That should be the theme song for every church. Uh, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Why should the nation say, where is their God? Our God is where? In the heavens. And then what does that mean? He does all that he pleases. So, I mean, you've got the gods of the earth. You've got these idols that are nothing. It is our God whose power is seen and that where is he? He is actually our God. Their gods are false. They're fake. Their gods are where? In their imagination. Their gods are backed by the power of demons, right? They're demonic. Our God is in the heavens. He's actually there, unlike them. And this makes you think of like, uh, like the story of, uh, of Elijah and the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asher, right? That's what's going on in 1 Kings 18, in 1 Kings 18, you've got, uh, beginning of verse 26, it says, And they took the bull that was given them, and they prepared it. This is the prophets of Baal trying to get their god to do something. They prepared it, and they called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, Oh Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, no one answered. So, of course, they cry out to their false gods, but their false gods don't answer. Why? Because he's not there. So they're crying out to heaven, but where are their false gods not? In the heavens. They ain't there. They're not. There's no way for them to respond. They have no real power. And so when Elijah comes and prays to the God of heaven, we see that he really is God in heaven because he, he consumes the sacrifice, licking up uh, the water, the wood, everything. So the idea of, of the, the power of God seen in that uh, God is in the heavens. And this idea, I mean, this is a, this is a very, this is a, this is a very Matthean idea, meaning Matthew's big on this. When you, uh, of, of one of the key themes you're going to see as you read through the book of Matthew is he's not going to talk about the coming of the kingdom of God. What's he going to talk about? The coming of the kingdom of what? You can probably guess because of what we're looking at, kingdom of heaven. He'll talk about the coming of the kingdom of heaven. So that's a very common theme. If you're reading through Matthew, you're going to see that, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven. And, and heaven is a, is a place of, of great power. I mean, we see this even in the prayer itself, right, Right, in, 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 here in Matthew 6. What does it say down in verse 10? Your kingdom come, your will be done, what? On earth... Boom, Levi nailed it, as it is in heaven. Uh, On earth, as it is in heaven. So Matthew's already, Jesus is already going to talk about this. So we've got our Father who is in heaven, and we're about to talk about his great power. Do, let your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. But then we get the question, if, if that's what we're praying, and if that's about God's great power, What does God do with that heavenly power? Why would we care that our God is in the heavens and he has all this power? The reason we talk about our father in heaven and we think about his power is because of what it is God's will to do with that power. And God tells us what his will is to do with that power. Look at Psalm 57, verses one through three. So we've got this God who is in the heavens. He reigns. He laughs at the kings of the earth. He's ruling on a throne. The earth is his footstool. And no one, you know, it's not like some like, goofy kid's gonna come knock his feet off the footstool and everything's gonna go crazy. Like he, he is reigning and ruling. That's our God, our Father in heaven. Look at what he's doing. Psalm 57, one through three. Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me. For in you, my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven. And what? And save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. Selah. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. So what is God's purpose? So he's got God in heaven that does everything that he pleases. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is God doing with that vast heavenly power that can mock all the kings of earth? He says, God will fulfill his purpose for me. And what is his purpose for his people? He will send from heaven and save us. So that's why we talk about our Father in heaven. When we think about his vast power. What is he doing with that power? You're praying and we say our Father in heaven, you're recognizing God who's powerful and who's powerful for you. Who cares? For he's not just some king in heaven. He's not just some sovereign in heaven. He is your Father. In heaven. So you've got, this is why, again, you go back to in Scripture, God is good and in control. In the fatherliness, we see the goodness of God. In heaven, we see the in control, the sovereignty of God. So you've got a God who is all powerful. And what does he want to do with that power? Save you. Fulfill his purpose for you. Which includes saving you, pulling you out, and putting to shame. Not just saving you. Notice it's also God's will to put to shame the one who tramples on you. And he'll send it out. And and why does he do that? Because of his steadfast love and his faithfulness. That's what he's sending out. So notice, and this is why people talk, this is why people talk about the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And when they're talking to me, I go, I don't think you've read the Old Testament. And then I'm also not sure that they've read the New Testament. Uh, And the reason is, Here we see, you get this false idea that the Jews were sort of waiting on the earthly power and God to do all this. But what did God already say back in Psalm 57? When he's going to come from heaven and save them, what is he sending? He's sending his steadfast love and his faithfulness. That's the great power of God at work on behalf of his people is, what is he going to send to save you? What is he going to send to redeem you, to trample uh, your enemies underfoot? What does he send out? God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. That's what God does. That's just that great power of God on our behalf. So, so you get this, God working his power for, for us. And so from heaven, God, God sends our rescue. From heaven, he, he works He's, this, this vast power on our behalf. Look at, look at Psalm 18. Psalm 18 is great. Look at Psalm 18. Again, we're going to see God in the heavens, but in the heavens, having that great power on, on our behalf. So beginning in verse 13 of Psalm 18 the Lord also thundered in the heavens and the Most High uttered his voice, hailstones, coals of fire, which is why you should be thankful that the word of God is just a paper book. Imagine if every Sunday we were like, we're about to hear the word of God and you open it and it's like, hailstones and fire. And it's like, man, worship was great today. Uh, Anyway, be a lot easier to exegete it. Be like, yeah, that's, that's scary. Um, And he sent out his arrows and scattered them. He flashed forth lightnings and routed them. So, So he's thundering in the heavens, Most High's doing these things. Then the channels of the sea, the channels of the sea were seen. Foundations of the world were laid bare at your rebuke, O Lord. And what is his rebuke? At the blast of the breath. Of your nostrils. So look at what, I mean, we see that this is just really laying out this huge power of God in heaven that is seen. He does all of this, all of this great stuff. You got lightnings, coal, fire, brimstone. Uh, you've got the, you can see the bottom of the sea, right? Mariana's Trench opened up. You can see the very foundations of the world laid bare at the power of God. But at the power of God in what? What did he use to do all that? It was the blast of his breath. Just the blast of his breath. Just, just an exhalation from his nostrils. You want to know the power of God? All he has to do is huff, and he doesn't even have to puff, and he can blow this whole house down. Right? He can lay bare everything with just a blast from his nostrils. But... Look at where this power is directed now in verse 16. He sent from on high. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy, from the hands of those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me. Why? Because he delighted in me. So again, our, our God is in heaven. Our, not just our God, our Father in heaven uses the heavens to rescue us. He thunders in the heavens. He sends it down to, to, to save us. Why? Because he delights in us. I mean, it's funny. You look at this. The the. I mean, if you're just reading verses thirteen through through fifteen, I mean, the the, the power of God is intimidating, and it should be right. You think of Isaiah six. And you should think of the 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 recognizing the holiest vast, vast power of God. It, it's it's just like a child can be intimidated by their father. It's it's natural. It's natural for us to see the power of God. And to kind of be like, uh. But what do you soon realize about your natural father? What do we end up learning about our fathers? As we look at them and they're so big and they're powerful. And, and you're, I mean, they're this epitome of strength and all of this. And it's like, I remember my da- my mom would spank me. And then she'd say, and then I'm going to tell your dad. And I knew that meant that he was going to spank me. So there's going to be two spankings. And I was, I hate to say it, I was definitely more scared of the second spanking uh then the first one and sometimes she would even just tell me like all right i'm just gonna tell your dad and it's like no because i knew what he wasn't just gonna bring a breath of his nostrils right there was gonna be uh was gonna be leather attached to his hand which would make it even even more more intimidating uh and so there was that that feeling but what did you what do you begin to realize is that this man who is so powerful is gonna use his power ultimately to do what to protect you He's going to use his power in a way because he loves you. I mean, that's, that's the natural affection of a father for his children. And so we're still intimidated by the power of our fathers. Sometimes even, even as they get older and we're like in the prime of our physical condition, and, and they're still, they've still got us so buffaloed that we're pretty sure they could still whip us, uh, you know, even though they're like tottering down the stairs. Like, I think he's just pretending so that I'll leap on him and then he'll mess me up. Uh, so we still got that intimidation. But what do we recognize? But we know that he uses that power, would use that power on, on our behalf for our sake. And that's the same thing that's going on when we say our Father in heaven. He is in heaven. And so he's got this vast power. He can thunder. His breath can can shake and expose the foundations of the earth. His words can come out like fire and hailstones. That's that's his power. Don't diminish it. He's not up there some hippie spitting out flowers everywhere. It is hailstones. It is fire. It is exposed. It is trampling your enemies under, like that's all how he describes. but that power is there and described as being used for us he sends that power from heaven for us in his steadfast love and faithfulness so you should say man god is in the heavens you also recognize he is our father in the heavens all because and i love that it says this in in the end of verse 19 all because he delights in us how? You ever think about that? How in the world can God not just do it? He's not just doing it because I made a promise. He's not just sending down fire and steadfast love and faithfulness because he said he would. He's doing it because he delights in you. And, and sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we forget that you're supposed to remember you have a heavenly father. You're supposed to be, you're supposed to be shaken by the holiness of God. But you're never supposed to forget that that holy God delights in you. And we get into a problem in our prayers, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but we get into a problem in our prayers and we forget either one of those two things. And so, of course, we, we see we see this rescue of God on our back. And where is this ultimately going to lead, right? Where, where is, when you're looking at Psalm 57, you're looking at Psalm 18, and he says, I'm going to come from heaven, I'm going to save you with my steadfast love, I'm going to rescue you because I delight in you, I'm going to trample your enemies underfoot, where ultimately is, are the psalmists leading us? What are they pointing us to? Christ. I mean, that, I mean when you think about it, our Father... Thundered from heaven against our great enemy, against sin and Satan, against the sin that we committed. The foundations of the earth were shaken, quite literally. But instead of justice, instead of those, instead of those, those, those hailstones, coals of fire coming and consuming us, we got mercy. He pulled us up, as as the psalmist said in Psalm uh, 18. He pulls us up from the mire. When it should have been us quaking from the rumbling, it should have been us it should have it should have been us tasting that lightning. But instead, God uses His power to do what? What does He what does He say in verse nineteen? He uses His power to put us in a broad place, to set our feet on what? The rock. The rock that Jesus is going to tell us in the next chapter of Matthew seven is what? Him. You're either going to hear his words and do them and be founded on the rock or you're not, and you're going to be building your house on the sand. So, so when, when God pulls us out, he sets us in a broad place. He sets us in firm ground. What is that firm ground? It is Christ. So when we look at the, 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 the power of God, the heavenly power of God worked on our behalf, where's the greatest sign of that? In Christ's work on our behalf on the cross. In Christ's work on our behalf to save us, to redeem us. That's the greatest, that's, this is where all of that in his steadfast love and his faithfulness, that's where all of that is, is ultimately culminating. So what does it mean that he is our father in heaven? It means he is a, a true father, just in a, in a different position, not on earth, but in heaven. It means he is uh, the ultimate of fathers. He's an exalted father. It means he is a powerful father, one whose will cannot be thwarted, and who works his heavenly power on behalf of his people. So when you say our father in heaven, those are the things you're supposed to be thinking about when you say in heaven. And, and how should that affect our prayers? Well, we talked about this Uh, a couple of times the two things that are that are going to happen when we understand the lord's prayer right is it's going to give us confidence and it's going to give us reverence confidence and reverence when we're understanding prayer rightly we will be more confident in our prayers but we'll also be more reverent confidence when you look at this there is a boldness that comes in believing the words our father in heaven there's a boldness tied to that, that that the god who rules over everyone and everything is using his power for for us I mean, there's a, how can you not be confident in prayer? When you say our father in heaven, like you're automatically saying our father is bigger and better than anyone else's father, right? Our father who can do anything that we ask for. Our father who's gonna have the strength to do what we're gonna ask him to do. So there, there's of course a confidence in prayer when you know that your father is in heaven. And we need to have that confidence. So when we ask God to do something, when we, ask, when we pray to him and ask him to do, we know that he can we're confident that he can. And so we, we we ask a father, unlike any that we've ever had, unlike any that we could ever be, we ask a perfect heavenly father. There's a confidence in that, but there's also a reverence. Because we are, I mean, when you go back and you read uh, Psalm eighteen, and when you go back and you and, and you read Psalm fifty seven. There, I mean, this is the same God who does shake the earth by His mere breath, and so we need to we need to never forget that we are addressing the God who could break the world by breathing on it. We, uh, Andrew Murray said, "There's a there's a shakiness to prayer because we realize when we pray that we are within the veil." Our prayers are in many ways uh, need to be a recognition of Isaiah. Every time you pray, you're doing Isaiah 6. And so there's a reverence of you're coming and lifting these prayers up to that God sitting on that throne, to the God whose breath could, could, could shake the world, whose, whose words are fire and hail and brimstone and who has lightning, all these things. There, there needs to be a recognition of that. And so when we say our father in heaven, there is a gospelness to it because we realize I could never pray these prayers without Christ. This is the reverence aspect. I could never, I could never pray this. I could never do this. Like the idea of you and I talking to the God of the universe would make no sense. No sense. That you, I mean, we get nervous talking to celebrities, right? People that we know are a bunch of weirdos. Like we'll know they're weirdos. We know they're this like on their 18th marriage or some sort of deal, and we'll see them and we'll go. We'll be like in restaurants and like taking pictures. Like, oh my goodness, you know, I'm eating pizza bread with you know whomever, and they're back there. Go say hi to them. No, I could never say hi to them. All right, talk to the God of the Universe. Okay, the only mother. I mean, you know, I mean, it's like what in the world? How do we think we can do that? What makes us think? And this is, again, I shared this verse. I was thinking about this verse this morning, which is why I shared it on the app. The idea that you and I can boldly approach the throne is just ridiculous. If that's who God is, if, if, if Psalm 57, uh, Psalm 2, if, if those things are true, Psalm 18, if those things are true about God, how do we ever pray? How do we ever say anything to him? Because we know who he is and we know who we are intimately more who we are and so the idea of being able to pray only makes sense and this is that reverence only makes sense in christ that the son is, has truly made a way for us we have a great high priest who has opened the way to god but it's not crazy for us to pray why Because we're not the ones who say, all right, let's just start calling God Father. You know what? I feel like God's been really distant. So how about we as a church, what would you like to call God? Let's start calling him Father. Okay, that sounds great. We'll start calling God Father. That's not what happens here. It is God who through Christ is the one telling us what? To call him Father. Because that's what he is through Christ. If we, lose, if we lose our confidence in, in our prayer, if we take our, if we lose our confidence when we take our eyes off the fact that He's Father, and and we lose our reverence a lot of times if we take our eyes off of the idea that He is our Father in Heaven. So Christ, Christ teaches us to approach God, but to do so rightly, to do so through Him. Because without Christ, we cannot know God as Father. We we cannot call Him Father. He is not our Father. But in Christ, it is God who tells us to call him Father. And it reminds us of his great power that he's working on our behalf. He is our Father in heaven. So we'll, we'll end by putting all of this together. Let's put everything together from the last five weeks. Okay? Just a we're gonna do it quick, bulleted. It's gonna take us five minutes, and you're gonna go, well, it sure took us longer than five minutes to get here. Uh, but look at look at what, what have we learned when we say. Our Father in heaven what what sh- what have we gathered from these five weeks to 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 wrap up with a bow? First is the idea that we are expected to relate to God, but not any way that we want to. God tells us what to call Him. we don't get to choose what to call him. we don't get to choose like how to think about Him. God is the one who tells us how to come to him and what he wants what He wants us to see him as, and he says i am your father see me as that that so that's the role and and we also saw that that's an important role because it means god is the one who creates us we don't create him he is our father we are not his we don't get to craft god in our image he crafts us in his image and so when we say our father there is a natural humbling to our prayers you are creator i am not so i don't get to choose for you to be what i want you to be you are who you are you're the primary one in this role it also it also our father in heaven also does make uh, put an honored stamp on the role of fathers And and the Bible talks about it. Since God is this father, what's that look like? It talks about his compassion, his protection, his mercy, his correction. All of those, that God is father. He is the ultimate father. Our father in heaven reminds us that God is indeed our real father. That he has adopted us through Christ, legitimately adopted us. He's not just saying, let's pretend that I'm your father. He's saying, no, I am your father through Christ because this relationship between you and God is real because your salvation is real. So it's not a pretend relationship. When you say our father in heaven, you're recognizing he's really your father. But when we say our father in heaven, you're recognizing not only is God your father, but God is also what? It doesn't say, and when you pray, say my father in heaven. What does it say to pray? Our father in heaven. So when we say our father in heaven, we want to make sure we do not forget that, that just the beginning of that prayer even reminds us of the community reality of our relationship with God. This isn't just some special relationship that you have with God that no one else has. You know, like we, like we can say, you know, the, the, the joy you share when you tarry there is like nothing none other has ever known. Like, that's just not a thing. Like, there, uh, he's other people's father, too. So yes, you are God's child, but you are not an only child. When we say our father in heaven, we're also recognizing a promise from God. And we saw that God over and over said, remember, I'm your father. And remember, that means there's an inheritance coming. So when we say our father in heaven, we're remembering no matter what we're going through, that there's an inheritance that awaits us. But not only is it a promise from God, it's also a pledge from us. That we will, we will remember he's our father and the, the, the inheritance that's going to come, but we will also remember he's our father and we're meant to act like it. And so we looked at how it was a pledge for us to live and treat God like father, meaning that we'll listen to him, that we'll imitate him, that we'll leave behind our ignorant lives, instead pursuing lives of holiness and love. Remember, those were the things that he said, if I'm your father, this is what your life will look like. Holiness, love, love for Christ, love for one another, even love for your enemies, if I'm truly your father. That's that's what we're supposed to imitate. That's the pledge that we're making. When we say father, we're not just calling on him to treat us a certain way. We're promising that we will treat him like father. And then, of course, today, yes, last week we saw. When we say that he is our father in heaven, that he is father above all and above it all. That he is a, a, a praiseworthy, perfect example of, of all fathers. He is, the, uh, he is father in heaven. He's the unstained, uncorrupted example of what a father is. And he is a powerful father who is in heaven, sitting on his throne, using his power on behalf of his children not sure if he's going to do that, look to Christ. He has already done it in Christ, and he will do it every day of your life as he leads you into eternity. So when we say our Father in heaven, those are all the things you're supposed to remember, okay, every time you say it. Uh, no, hopefully showing you there are, there's a richness even to this opening phrase, our Father in heaven. There's a lot of Bible tied to those ideas and that means a lot of depth before we even begin to pray. All right, let's go ahead and bow our heads and we'll take a moment to uh, sort of reflect on this idea, give you guys all a moment to talk to God right now and to pray to him and to to, to really even ask him to help you think of him as your father in heaven, that you would be filled with both confidence and reverence when you pray? If you were to look at your life, which one would you say you tend to, which, which ditch on which side of the road do you tend to go to? Are you someone who, who struggles with confidence, who struggles to think that God even wants to hear your prayers? Or maybe you struggle with reverence. Maybe you just have always assumed, yeah, of course, I can. You know, praying's not a big deal. and You never thought about, you know, you've kind of minimized who God is. Not in an intentional way, but you—you you certainly are seeing for, him, for his holiness, for his otherness. You maybe walk too glibly in prayer. And we—we we saw we saw weeks of stuff, weeks of stuff about what it means when we say our Father in Heaven. And I bet when we went over those, you didn't go. I remembered every single one of those. But the good thing is, God is planting these seeds that are going to grow in in your understanding of the first words of your prayer life. From now on, every time you say, Father in heaven, he's going to be reminding you maybe of one part of this, maybe another, maybe two or three parts, who knows. But he'll be growing these seeds. Your father will be growing these seeds in your heart so that you might better understand. Before we even talk about prayer, better understand the one that you're praying to. And that's going to make a big difference our father in heaven i thank you for the for the for the reasons we have to be here I thank you that you were able to bring us together. I'm thankful for the health that you've given us. I'm thankful for the way you took care of us. I'm thankful for the, the joy that you, you, you've allowed this to cause in our hearts when we see each other after, uh, after breaks of time and, and, and where there's just a great rejoicing and it's not sterile. It's not, it's, there's, a, there's, there's just a, a, a holy kissness to it. And so I'm thankful, Father, for this love that you work in us and for the various ways that you do it. And I pray, God, that today you did answer the prayers that we lifted up to you, Father, when we asked that you'd be glorified in our time together. I pray that our hearts were singing to you, that they were crying out to you and uh, and just adoring you. And I pray that as we heard your words, Father, that we were trembling before them because we realized these, this, this should have been, instead of, instead of ink on page, it should have been hailstones and fire from heaven consuming us because of our sin. But instead, we have your word pointing us to the word that is Christ and giving us life. That that great heavenly power was, was sent to work steadfast love and faithfulness for us and then to work those things in us. So thank you, Father. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for being our Father who is in heaven. May we never forget that. May that give us confidence when we pray to know you can do anything we ask. We never have to be afraid. We don't have to fear the, the kings of the, We don't have to fear a king on this earth. We don't have to fear all the kings on this earth. They are nothing. The very gates of hell will not prevail against you and your gospel. May it give us a reverence, Father. May when we pray... May we know we can only boldly come in the name of Christ. May we we wear him as we approach you. And may we be amazed at who you are and that you delight in us. I ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen.